Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners to Navigate with ID. It's such an honor and privilege to be with you today. Friends, it's been an exciting time to those that stepped out of their homes to exercise their rights and duties as citizens. I salute you all. I salute everyone who has been so interested in the progress of the nation and to those that have been on the fence. Well, I hope your sitting on the fence hasn't put you in a place where you feel condemned that you didn't have a chance to at least exercise your rights. It's been a great time in the course of our nation-building efforts, and we trust God to see us through in every facet of our journey. Friends, given the spirit and the letter of the moment, and you know that this is your business school on radio, I have elected to take on a topic that will bring about a business sense within the context of all the things that are happening to us. And hopefully, we can bring in some learning, some insights, and be able to throw a lot more light for us to see things differently rather than pushing the envelope or buttons that have to do with the blame game around the society, the umpire, the government, the organs, or the people. Friends, today I want to start a journey with the topic centered around centralization and decentralization. Centralization and decentralization are wonderful concepts in business, in structure, in governance, and in terms of process. One of the things I tried to do from yesterday on my Twitter handle was to put up what I call observations. So I've had observations one to six, and please look out for observations as they come through, as I see through the lens of what we are going through currently within our political stratosphere and being able to drop some hints that would help you understand the business side of the goings on. Friends, what is centralization? Centralization means reservation of authority at the central point within the organization or the system. In centralization, control and decision-making reside at the top levels of management. Now, how do we bring this to a practical sense? Think about the government. We have a president, and with the president sits an office called the presidency. And within the executive arm of government, and in totality, there is a location where you have that centralization coming to pass. And that is within the confines of the federal capital territory. So you can actually say that the citadel of governance and authority is at the federal capital territory. That does not in any way take away the fact that when you start looking at the ministries, departments, and agencies, you'll find that all the heads will also find themselves at that particular space and location 
which will be the federal capital territory. That is an example of centralization. Let's move into another space, the Central Bank of Nigeria. We just came through and still going through a currency swap, which Nigerians have suspended for a second. The pain and ills have been suspended. But when we look at the authority and the governance of the central bank, it is resides in an office of the central bank governor, deputies, governors, and a host of other senior management staff. And where are they domiciled? They are domiciled at the federal capital territory. And you can take it by organization, agency, ministry, department across the police, the armed forces. You will find they are all sitting within the ambits of the federal capital territory. But that reservation of authority is at the central point, even including the Independent National Electoral Commission that is headed by a chairman who currently is also domiciled at the federal capital territory. So I'm trying to explain to you what centralization is because it's typically about authority at a central point within an organization, a system, or a business. Let's come to you right now. You are a business owner, and you live in Lagos, but you have some of your staff in different locations. But everything that has to do with your business is centralized around your office. Your office may be located in Lagos, your office may be located in somewhere in the east, the north, wherever. But when you look at the position of authority, it just sits around you. What is that authority embedded in? It's the control and decision-making. It always resides at the top. Just using this to give you a sense, when we begin to go into centralization, and of course decentralization, you can begin to see part of the challenges that we may be going through because of the modus operandi of this concept. So what are the circumstances that drive centralization of decision-making power? You know, I want to start with centralization, then we'll then morph into decentralization. So just work with me as we go on. Now, for a small organization, centralization is essential for small organizations to survive the competition. You cannot afford to run a decentralized system when your business is small. And so it is better for a small organization to sit within the ambits of centralization. Centralization helps in unified direction and integration. That is one circumstance. What does that mean? It means that centralization may become essential to provide unified direction to activities and to keep integration. Look at the security forces. Look at the police. The more we talk about state police, the more you begin to see why they are asking for a unified direction and integration where there is just one and is sitting with the federal system. Now, centralization ensures overall organizational perspective. Does that have its own downsides? Yes, it does. When we begin to look at it within the context of how that process is taken on, you will find that the balance of both 
centralization and decentralization may just be the right place to be. What else do you consider a circumstance or do we consider a circumstance of the varying, the decision-making power at the center, controlling? Now, with centralization, it ensures effective means of controlling the operational units. So look at INEC, for example. The command and control center is there in Abuja. Every other part, state, local, wards, polling unit, everybody must always do what? Take reference from the center. Look at what's happening with all the ministries. So it is whatever ministry, whatever department or agency of government you, for effective control must come from the center. There is something about decision-making power. And centralization requires an outstanding leader. You know, when you have a leader that isn't outstanding, there is a chance that centralization may fall through the cracks. The system of centralization presupposes that the leader, whoever is at the top of that pack, is outstanding. So to take advantage of the outstanding leader in early stages of enterprise, why? For quick decision-making. So you can never have a situation where the, whoever is standing as a leader in those big facets must be people that are outstanding. Most especially, they must be witty in knowledge, in decision-making. There is a great part to centralization. It reduces overall costs. And centralization actually drives prompt action. But I tell you, it is not necessarily what happens because this is where bureaucracy creeps in. How does bureaucracy creep in when the leader is not outstanding, when the leader is more of a controller, sits on top of it and says, nothing happens unless I cough. Nothing happens unless I sneeze. So when that happens, you will then realize that the decision-making power gets delayed. And because it is delayed, what then happens? The system begins to have cracks. And in no time, the entire entity falls apart. So centralization of decision-making ensures prompt action necessary to meet the emergencies. So if you have a centralized system and you do not have a decision-making mechanism that is prompt and decisive, then you're calling for a failed situation. Look at the situation that happened with the currency swap. Because of the over-centralization and the powers that had to be with the central bank, the banks were also given a mandate, the operators were given mandates, but before the entire system could move with a certain direction that has come, a lot of havoc would have been rendered on ground. So these are some of the circumstances that vary with the centralization of decision-making power. You can begin to see how this fits in within a business setting. Friends, let no one deceive you. I've said this over and over, especially on this program, we will always take care of current issues and situate it within a business lens. Any business that you find that is over-centralized in terms of decision-making has a problem 
ways, being able to attend to issues promptly. But with technology, a lot could actually make things easier, but that does not necessarily make it better. So let us look at the factors that influence centralization. Number one, the cost and risk that is associated with decision could have a very heavy impact on performance. When you look at the cost and the risk that is associated with a decision, that in itself could have a very heavy impact on performance. Look at what we are going through with our elections. Number two, an individual's preference for a high degree of involvement in detail and confidence in subordinates. Some people prefer to delegate while some may not. So it's now up to the manager's preference for a degree of involvement in details and in confidence in subordinates. So you will see that when you have a situation where a particular manager likes to get himself into the weeds, more or less, he wants to be inside micromanagement, then that is a factor that would influence centralization. You may also look at as a third point, a factor is the history of that organization or system coming from a cultural standpoint. If you look at that under a strong leader, a strong leader would always want a centralized structure so that it's command and control. I call all the shots. The fourth reason for or an influence on centralization is the lack of ability of the lower level managers may actually create a lack of faith in them. So the more you find a situation where the people at the lower rung of the ladder who are managers, they are not able to take responsibility for their place, the more head office, headquarters will say no, get approval from the center. Then that makes it very difficult to have decentralization working. So whenever you find a system of centralization, know that there are many factors that are at play that started from the base that have not worked well. And so somebody needs to put a control on it at the top. And that control is to ensure that the damage isn't so much. So you find sometimes that at a local level, you will find it very difficult. For example, let us take the police, for instance. You see the public, what do they call them, police PRO. Now, there are public relations officers, the police, in different state commands. And then you also have the overall public PRO, that is from the police command. A state command has its own jurisdiction. You cannot sit down as a PRO of the police to start talking about national issues, you'll be going outside of your mandate. And so even with that, you find internally, before you find a public PRO come out to speak, even for his own local space, there has to be a place where he takes what? He has to take authority from the boss to say this and this and this, or they have to agree on what will be said. So a lot of these things affect how things go. So as you're going through the process and seeing why INEC may be having problems, it's not out of place because of centralization. Don't look at how many places they will tell you, 
oh, we have um, state regs, resident electoral commissioners. They are empowered to do X, Y, Z by law. The law empowers them, but with the law set up, there are guidelines that the commission will have to put together, whether it is in the civil service, even in the private sector, even with multinationals, you find that the center always needs something that gives you that feeling of control. You cannot see a multinational, for example, headquartered in Europe or based in Europe, and they have offices in different parts of the world, say in Africa, they have in different regions in Africa. Anything that happens needs to come or must get to the center. The center will say, okay, we are given the jurisdiction because there is a CEO in charge of Africa. He makes the call. That CEO in charge of Africa will go ahead and make that decision. But trust me, he will whisper to the CEO or the group CEO that is based in Europe. That is how centralization works in reality. In between, you want to pray that there isn't disaster locking or there's a major problem. If they can't move fast in terms of their decision-making, it becomes a huge risk, and the entire process can be impacted. That is why performance is always impacted because of what you find with centralization. Now, how can I apply these centralized structures? I've given you examples using our government. I've given you examples using our agencies. I've given you examples talking about businesses. But let me step down a little bit and talk about small businesses who are often operated in a centralized manner simply because of the smaller size of their workforces. A small, medium-scale bakery that is in a particular space, of course, it has to be, the operations will be what? Centralized. The more the bakery operations begin to grow and they are now serving more than their local community, the more you begin to see certain things begin to happen. A small business owner may be the only manager in the entire company with all other employees reporting directly to the owner. So when you see a small business, you will find that the man, the accountant, the storekeeper, the driver, everybody reports to this small business owner. Why? Because at that point in time, is a centralized structure that will keep the company running. Friends, I have painted a picture of centralization. Let me paint a picture of decentralization. Now, when you come into decentralization, let us look at it as a body of companies or firms or agencies or organizations. Now, you find that organizations or firms that grant substantial decision-making authority to the managers of subunits they are referred to as decentralized organizations. So let us take our electoral body, for example. There is the commission chaired by an individual, and they have national commissioners. And within the extended body of leadership, within the independent national electoral commission, there are resident electoral commissioners for each state. That automatically tells you something, that substantial decision-making authority is now with the resident electoral commissioners who have to make certain calls in their local abode. However, they still need to draw 
some little parallel with the chairman from the center. But you can see that within the ambits of running an organization like INEC, the resident electoral commissioners automatically are the ones that have substantial decision-making authority at the subunits. Now, you can take that also as coming through, whether it's the CBN or even the ministries. You have a federal ministry that is headquartered in Abuja, like I told you. Then you also have representatives in each state. Each of the heads that are running in the states are the subunits who, of necessity, are granted some little substantial decision-making authority because of the purpose of decentralization. However, you still find that decentralization without full authority is almost as easy as saying bureaucracy. This is where our structure tends to suffer. You can expand this a bit more. Let us look at the political parties. So take any of the political parties coming into these elections. They all had to open what they called presidential campaign councils. And then you had all kinds of characters in there. Very many people. When the list came out, the list of the presidential campaign council of the major parties was almost like an army. How on earth do you think they are going to work? Everybody is a director. Everybody is a director general. Everybody came out as DG, spokesman, spokeswoman, this one, that one. In their minds, they will then have one person to say, this is the DG of the Presidential Campaign Council. All of that is hogwash. You know why? Because rather than come straight out to say, we are giving substantial decision-making authority to the managers of this, they are all teleguided because none of them can make any decision. And that's why there's always catastrophe. What is a catastrophe? Different people saying different things unguarded. If it is a centralized structure in decentralization, or if it is a decentralized structure within the ambits of centralization, you will not find a lot of gaps amongst the operators. Very many people, very many firms are neither totally centralized nor totally decentralized. So look at our political structure. They will tell you we start from where? The polling units to the wards, to the local government, to the states, and then it goes all the way to federal. But when the chips are down, they only go down to the wards because of certain things. They only go down to the polling area because of certain needs. But many times, it is more of democratic centralism. Everything you find in terms of ideas should be coming from the bottom, while decisions will come from the top. But the reverse is the case. If you look at the triangle upside down, that's what you find. And when you look at a proper triangle, that's what you see. So decentralization is a different monster that is probably used sometimes to deceive anyone, all in the guise of centralization. But power and authority still stays at the center. The people at the subunits have no power. They cannot move an inch if they do not take any 
decision or they can't take any decision if they don't get clearance from the center. What does true decentralization mean? True decentralization authority, what does it mean? Decentralization of authority means dispersal of decision-making power to the lower levels of the organization. What decentralization refers to the systematic effort to delegate to lower levels or the lowest levels of authority except that which can only be exercised at the central point. So let us look at the quality of our electioneering process. There are polling officers in every polling unit. They are the ones sitting there with some measure of authority. Now, how much authority does a polling officer have? The chairman is not there. The commissioner is not there. The rec is not there. No senior official is there except that individual. Now, the situation that every polling officer would have or what they will see and experience across the divide will be different. But if all of them are not properly groomed, and this is where I'm going, into part of the challenges we have when people are running a decentralization system but have centralization in their heads. I'm using... INEC as a case study or take any other agency of government you will find is the same problem. It starts with the recruitment. Who is the man or woman you are recruiting for that role at that lowest level of authority? You must subject that person to the same rigor as if you are recruiting a chairman or president of that organization. If you fail to subject that man or woman at the lowest level of authority to the same rigor of recruitment like you would have done for the chairman, the president, the MD, then you are creating a huge level of mediocrity that will impact the organization. And so we don't take these things very seriously. But I can tell you that in decentralization of authority, that dispersal of decision-making power to the lower levels of the organization is as critical as you would have in a centralization of authority. Friends, we'll take a pause now so we can pay some bills. I hope by the time we come back on the second half, we'll continue on this learning journey because this is a business school on radio. You and I have to make the best of every opportunity we have to learn so we can be different, better, and special. This is Navigate with ID. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners. It's been a very interesting time. I hope you have too. We've been looking at the subject of centralization and decentralization. Why are we elected to look at these two seeming concepts? Because that is what we are facing now as a country, as a people. A lot of our definite processes and outputs are byproducts of how we are structured as a nation. I started this whole conversation with speaking about centralization and what it meant and the fact that centralization means reservation of authority at a central point and in fact that centralization really mirrors control and decision making residing at the top levels of management. And that in itself comes with varied circumstances. It works with small organizations. It gives unified direction and integration. It requires an outstanding leader 
But then it brings out a strong aspect of controlling. It may also be a way to reduce overall cost depending on the efficiency of the system. But more importantly, it is sitting on something that may become its own Achilles heel, and that is called a prompt action. And we moved from there into decentralization, where I also started letting us see that firms that grant substantial decision-making authority to the managers of subunits are referred to as decentralized systems, organizations, or businesses. Now, the truth is, most firms, most organizations, most entities are neither totally centralized nor totally decentralized. And one of the things that I did say just before we took a break was about the decentralization of authority and what it means. It is the dispersal of decision-making power to the lower levels of the organization. And that decentralization refers to the systematic effort to delegate to lowest levels of authority, except that which can only be exercised at the center. And so, just like we always do, we try to mimic the world of business and the current happenings within our society. What we have put in there as a case study, as an hypothetical analogy, is the INEC, for example. So you have the Independent National Electoral Commission with a chief in the person of the chairman, with other chiefs who are commissioners, national commissioners, and then other officers. And you then have resident electoral commissioners in each of the states and the federal capital territory. So in effect, that you can say it is a centralized and decentralized system with varied levels of authority. However, when it comes to the conduct of elections, you then see that decentralization actually requires a bigger level of authority dispersal because decisions have to be made by people who are at the lowest rung of the organization. For example, a polling officer, the chairman will not be there on the day of the election. The national commissioner or the rec, the state rec, will not be at that polling unit. So the polling unit becomes the purview of this individual who will serve as, quote-unquote, the chairman of that polling unit. The question is, is that person saddled with the level of authority to take certain decisions based on the issues that arise. Now, there are several issues that would have happened over time. This is where training comes in. They would have seen all kinds of issues, you know, in all the years of our democracy. It's been 24 years, friends. So in 24 years that elections have been run, hopefully there has been a catalog of issues that happen at the polling units. And so this will form the basis for training, retraining, and role modeling of what may happen. It becomes a good space for scenario planning. However, my big grouse with decentralization of authority is not so much as the authority, but it's about the who. The who is the biggest piece that makes decentralization work. 
What do I mean by the who? The who is the person. How was that person recruited? If you do not put in the same ambits, the same major energy, like you are recruiting a national commissioner or president or chairman of that body to the lowest person who is going to take a decision on behalf of the entire corporation, everybody could be embarrassed. It is also an oxymoron or it is also counterproductive when you are operating a centralized system, albeit in everybody's side, you say you are decentralized, but the center controls the very lowest part of the authority, then there will be chaos. So there is something that the chairman or whoever at the top says, if you don't hear or get my approval, do not move forward. So you find a lot of officers just standing there like zombies. What they are waiting for is for the chairman or the president or the managing director or the executive director to say, go ahead. And what if any of those seniors or title persons at the center are not available? Disaster. But I love the way the military works. I love the military because there's a command and control. Everybody understands because they build from the bottom up. And so you are not just an ordinary human being if you are called a captain. A captain is given a certain number of people to handle. And so when they say a platoon leader, they understand that a platoon is different from a squadron. And when the squadron kicks off, when the platoon kicks off, the man at the helm of affairs takes authority and he runs with it. He reports back to headquarters at the point in that space. He is the man that takes the decision. However, there are rules of engagement. Those are the rules that guide everybody, including the center, including the, the decentralized units, and including all the officers. So in a system of decentralization of authority, you must understand what it is and what it is not. Now, friends... I'm situating business. I'm situating all of what we are experiencing as a case study for you to learn and know that sometimes when you are outside and you don't have proper understanding, you can be wagging your tongues anyhow, but you need understanding to be a better-placed individual. So when you are speaking, you are speaking as one that has authority, and the authority here is nothing else but knowledge. The knowledge you acquire gives you a perspective. And that perspective makes you a man of woman of conviction. The people you see that come on the television or radios every day and being interviewed, not because they are better than you are, it's just because they are able to disperse knowledge. And so, follow me on this train as we are looking at the subject of decentralization of authority. Let me break it down a little bit more. Decentralization is not the same thing as delegation. Many people make that mistake. And so you look at even the political parties. They will tell you they have structure. In their heads, they will have attacked one party and say no structure. Even the heads, uh, calling the heads of the organizations of the competitive parties will look at one party and say no, they are structureless. The rest of the parties don't have structure. They don't have the strength and the might of the big two. But those big two now 
are being threatened, especially in Lagos here. A major party is being threatened because the Colossus, Olympus, has fallen, as far as we know today, concerning the current elections. Olympus is down. Now, what do you think will happen? All of that talk about structure was sitting around what they've carried over the years. But truly, structure is about people, number one. Structure is about processes, number two. And structure is about systems, number three. It is when you have all of that, that structure is like having a skeleton. It is on top of that skeleton that the flesh is built. That is where the veins, that is where the sinews and all of them make the human body. But many talk about structure, thinking that structure is the flesh. The flesh is nothing, can be cut into pieces. But structure, for you to get to the bone, it means you bypassed it. Now, before you start thinking of strategies, you must make sure that your people, your processes and systems are all aligned. And then, based on that, you can now evoke strategies. That is what is failing a lot of parties. That is what is failing a lot of the organs. That is what is failing the system. Why? Because even with the government, even with the public service, they fail at the point of the people. Down the road, when I start unpacking this whole thing, when I get to the point where I'll begin to show you, like we did with the CBN swap, on what should have been done differently, because the Naira swap is just like when we launch new products in my days in Coca-Cola or Guinness. I told you that to launch a new product is not a big deal. So doing a currency change is not a big deal. It's just that people fail to understand that you need processes and systems in like manner. Now, decentralization. Many parties feel because we are in the 36 states, we are more powerful. Yes, you are more powerful, but you have people. Yes, you have people, but who are they? Many of them are supposed to be your members. Oh, they are card-carrying members. Then how come these card-carrying members, if you say their numbers are 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, how come they are not able to impact? the results of your elections or electioneering process. Something is wrong. It means that there are no processes. And if they are there, they are, are being subjugated. And if there are systems, technology is not probably the best of things. Why? Because in their minds, they think they are decentralized. But in their real heads, they are delegating. And decentralization is not the same thing as delegation. Delegation means entrustment of responsibility and authority from one individual to another. Show me one party that is decentralized. It's a lie. It's still Babasa Wikbe. It is the chairman that dictates ultimately what happens. Whether the state chairman or the national chairman, these are the demigods that dictate. Why? Because they see that whole decentralized structure, they see it as delegation. But delegation is very different. It's an entrustment of responsibility and authority. So do they delegate it from one individual to another? But decentralization means scattering of authority throughout the organization. So what it means in essence, take anybody, what it means. So let's take, for example, hypothetically, INEC. What decentralization means is that when you look at a state the resident electoral commissioner automatically is the chairman of INEC in that state. When you go down the ladder to a polling unit, 
the polling officer is the chairman of that particular place. That is what decentralization means. Decentralization means the division of authority within the entire enterprise. So I am sitting here as a polling unit officer. I have the powers to take certain decisions. Some of those decisions have to be something that I have some freedom within a framework. Why? I was recruited. They've done a good check about my person. They've checked me across the parameters. They've done a good psychometric to say, this person, number one, must have leadership skills, must have numeracy skills. This person must be able to synthesize and organize people, planning and organizing. All of these things are going to be done. And peradventure, that person does not have it. That is why you have a cycle of time to train and retrain. I bet you if you go into the INEC budget, there will be a huge amount for training, just like they have a huge amount for voter education, but they fall flat on their faces because they don't just do it right. Why? They all see themselves as one body, but in their minds, they are decentralized, but they are not decentralized in the system of diffusion of authority. Decentralization is distinct from dispersion. Dispersion occurs when plants and offices are located at different places with physical distance between them. See, that you have offices in all the 36 states does not make you powerful, does not make you decentralized. That NTA is in every part of the country does not mean that it is decentralized. Dispersion, that is dispersion. You've just thrown like a farmer taking seeds and going into the farm and to a land and just throwing the seeds across. Of course, you'll see sprouts of all the plants. But is that what makes it decentralization? A company may be highly centralized, although its physical facilities and employees are widely dispersed. And companies may be highly decentralized, even though all the physical facilities and employees and employees are located in a single building. And what makes all of this work? Technology. Technology now has come into space to collapse what you may see as a pending space into a structure that will make you run where you are. Once upon a time, when I worked for the Coca-Cola company, I'm telling you, way back in 1999, I will pick up my extension. My office was at Gerard Road, Ikoi, as a Coke executive, 1999, I'll pick up my phone, my telephone. I will dial 4214. A phone will ring in Atlanta. I will dial 24246. A phone. I want to reach my colleague in Johannesburg, South Africa. Extension to extension. Way back in 1999, from my office in Gerard Ikoi, I will speak to my colleagues in Atlanta, in South Africa, and different parts of the world from my extension. Come and ask me how it happened. That is where an organization that's totally decentralized and not dispersed operated from. So when some of us are speaking, we are speaking from a point of knowledge, not because it can never exist. It is existing, it has always existed, and will be there. But when people are People have not been exposed to what it should be and are the ones in authority. They'll keep telling you it's not possible. 
is not possible because they are limited in knowledge, they are limited in understanding, and until we start attracting right people to be able to sit in our governing institutions, we will not build institutions, we will continue to build fragments, and those fragments will kill us, because fragmentation is another way to say this is the different parts thinking we have a whole. And that's what we are about to experience now, and God God will help us, help us torment on our hands simply because we have abused or taken decentralization to mean this, whereas it is dispersion. Simply because there is delegation and yet the structure underneath does not allow proper diffusion of authority within the system. Now, how do we evaluate a subunit's performance? So, for instance, you have local entities or territories or whatever form of segmentation you've looked at your entire body. The reasons for evaluating the subunit performance will sit around A, identification of, of successful areas of operation and areas in need of improvement. Now, a bigger factor is the influence over the behavior of managers. And I must tell you this, it is quite possible to have a good manager and a bad subunit. So the interplay of the who and the what is very critical. And that's why I always talk about the who is the biggest factor. You can have a fantastic strategy. You can have a great plan. You may have had a good infrastructure, but if you have the wrong person, that whole thing, business, entity is going down. In like manner, you may have a fantastic person, brilliant, but then a very bad subunit. It will also cause catastrophe. So what do we see as a big factor in all of this, friends? In centralization and decentralization, you must understand that one thing is for sure. It's about responsibility. It's about responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. In some cases, you can clearly say that managers should only be held responsible for costs and revenues that they control. But in a decentralized operation or organization, costs and revenues are traced to the organizational level where they can be controlled. So, whereas you have a central system where the managers are responsible for their own spaces, when you get into a decentralized operation, those costs and revenues must be traceable to that level where they can be easily controlled. And what are some of those things that I have found that have helped when you are looking at applying decentralized structures? One model that I have found that has worked in some cases and in not all cases is what I call franchise organizations. Now, franchising provides an example, a very ideal example of a decentralized structure. So me, people may be wondering, what do I mean by franchising? Let's take an example. A big example is some of the foreign eateries you may find here. So for example, you have a KFC. KFC does not belong to a Nigerian. Chicken Republic does not, for example, belong to a Nigerian. However, a Nigerian can go over to the mother company 
whoever owns the business franchise for KFC as an example, and that person will be abrogated with the rights to go back to the space called Lagos or Cross River or a space called Kaduna and to set up the same structure that they have in the United States and then everything they have there will be replicated here subject to local laws of the land. So somebody brings a name, the brand name, KFC, and comes to implant it in Lagos. And where that person is sitting, that person is being overseen by some other person who is sitting either at a region called Africa or sitting from the parent company, maybe in the United States, and they will draw up an agreement that says, we have given you the right to set up three outlets in Lagos. Now, you cannot set up an outlet in Ogun State. Your rights remain only in Lagos. And we are giving you Lagos. Decide where you want to put it up in Lagos, but you cannot do more than three. But within that particular aspect, there are certain rules of engagement. So that franchise company, the control will start with the product, will start with product development, and then the marketing decisions will be at the top. But they will allow you as a franchise owner a great deal of independence. Why? Because in America, they may be eating burgers like breakfast, lunch, dinner. In Nigeria, you cannot come and bring burger, breakfast, lunch, dinner. They'll tell you, Oga, find your level. Have you observed that a lot of these foreign franchise eateries that come in start off by serving whatever they have internationally? And after a while, they start selling rice and beans of the franchise realize that we cannot enforce our own cultural habits on Nigerians. Nigerians have their own unique cuisine and diet, what they want to see. So that is how a decentralized structure operates within a franchise model. When I'm telling you that in an organizational setting, that whatever we do, so if you take a ministry, for instance, a federal ministry, that same federal ministry, if you see yourself as minister permanent secretary or the secretary to the federal government, they should all have the same set of structures across the six states. It must not necessarily be different because it is under the purview of the center. The same business sense is brought into INEC, is brought into the CBN. So the franchise companies control most of product development and marketing decisions at the top. I've given you an example with KFC. But they then allow the franchise owners a great deal of independence in running their individual stores. That's why I was saying to you that a polling unit officer is as important when you are recruiting as the chairman of INEC. You must look for someone solid and not just one person. You must have a backup. Should anything happen to that person, some other person must be ready to come in. Let me take it further into transport. Once upon a time, I used to work for Coca-Cola. I can tell you that at some point when I was in Coke, I was brand manager for Coca-Cola. I know that our bottler, Nigerian bottling company then, the Coca-Cola company's bottler, who's still there now at CCHBC, they would, of necessity, they have probably, we had about 1,200 or so trucks across the country, each of those trucks represented a route. Every route had a truck. Now, every truck had a driver. But here, 
the beauty of it is that every truck driver was a salesman. So they were recruited primarily as salesmen, but driving was a prerequisite for you to get the job. But many of us on the outside look at the Coca-Cola salesman as a driver, but you don't see that he's recruited as a salesman. He's the one that interfaces with Mamarisi, is the one that interfaces with the outlets and is the one that brings everything to bear. Franchise owners make staffing decisions. So every truck had his own deputy. The truck man would have a deputy. For every truck that grows out, there's a spare driver, there's a spare truck, and at no point in time must availability, space, or quality be compromised. That is what happens when you have a properly constructed decentralized structure. Friends, there's a lot to learn in this, and I'm hoping in the days to come, when we come back on Thursday, I'm going to take off from this point to let you see that franchise owners make staffing decisions, decisions on hours of operation and compensation decisions completely on their own because they know how the, the shoe pinches. I do not believe that having a flat uniform price that we pay across the country is the right way to go even in terms of compensation was a story for another day because we need to start restructuring nigeria in our heads minds and we need to retool and refit this country god help us as we continue in the process of nation building thank you for listening we'll be back by the grace of god on thursday as we look at centralization and decentralization and how he applies in the business sense goodbye and that was navigate with id brought to you by corporate shepherds